The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C., This is a more than just podcast production. Welcome to Podcast Season 4, Episode 8. My name is Tim Mitchell. I am in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kulide in Mr. and Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there. We're also joined by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Mr. and Mrs. Seattle. How's it going? Going good. You ask me that every week. I don't understand. It's the same as last week. Okay. <laughs> All righty. We're so good, eh? Yeah, we're good, eh? Let's, uh, yeah, what did I hear? It was a Canadian joke I heard. Oh, no, never mind. Um, yeah, so let's do some fact check. And first off, the block. When I was doing my recap last week, I remember Marinatron convinced Tendi to be a bad girl, but I couldn't remember what, what the context was until I went back and watched it again. I can't remember why I watched it again. But uh, she, the Nausicaan says, oh, I know, I was watching the Star Trek Day stuff, and they had that clip where, she, where they're playing Jomdot with the Nausicaans. And um, the Nausicaan says she'll use her pheromones to trick us, uh, which is apparently what uh, Orion women, some Orion women can do, because, you know, that's when Tendi is offended that Mariner asks her if she, maybe she could, you know, tonight she's wink, wink. Um, and she says, I'm not that kind of Orion, so... Which I guess is a an in joke if you know the Orion lore. Anyway, yeah, they've got the pheromones thing, and there was a split in the fan base online that was wondering how literal to take. I'm not that kind of Orion. So some people took it in the Woody Harrelson, Wesley Snipes, white men can't jump 1992 movie sense of like she literally cannot, and others said it was more in a I'm I'm not not that that kind kind of girl. girl. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think think that's what it meant. Yeah. I think I would go. I would option number two. Um, and Cerritos, I, I I remember Tom Paris mentioning. He said these Cali ships drive really fast, right? Well, it turned out Cerritos is a California class, which is why he calls it a Cali. Because uh, that one caught me, but I couldn't quite get the context. So I actually ended up going over to um, Memory Alpha to get some of these some of these factoids. Uh, for, about that, about California, and they, they mentioned the uh, the accidents that the Cerritos has, like you know, it's it's nacelle nacelle um, 
gets whacked by an icicle by ice when it runs into a mountain and gets some sort of uh thing hanging off the back of it, some war, space worm hanging off the back of it and uh you know getting into a battle with the borg and the packlids and uh yeah so you were you were mentioning we should go back and do a deep dive on on the difference between it does look like a new opening right yeah like it looks like they've redone it but but some of those scenes are left over from last year too anyway so speaking of which let's over head over to the headlines we have some Wait, do we have some? We have some uh, breaking news. Some breaking news. Do, 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 do. So let's start with some Star Trek news. Star Trek news. There is a new Borg queen, and she is going to be on season two of Picard. So spoilers. Wow. It was yeah. announced. So there's no way to avoid it if you follow any of the socials that involve Star Trek. Uh, that Annie Wershling, who was in the Runaways series that uh, was on for, I think, three seasons, uh, which I enjoyed. I haven't finished it, but I've enjoyed what I've seen so far. She is going to join the season two cast of Star Trek Picard, and she is going to be playing the Borg Queen. Which character was she on Runaways? Uh, that's a good question. I don't remember. I, I recognize her face, but I couldn't tell you which character name. She's one of the, one of the parents, obviously. Like, she's oh, I the, see. Okay, she was yeah. one of the older, um, yeah, like not the kids. Yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah. So she's going to be joining the cast as the Borg queen. Now there's no details in the story from deadline.com talking about, uh, this announcement, but I guess that opens the door for us as our fine prognostication skills come to come to bear here. Uh, So we know we're getting Q in season two of Picard. We've already seen that in the trailer. Now we know we're getting a Borg queen and it says in a recurring role for season two. Uh, We knew we already had seven of nine in there and we know that there's sort of an uh, alternate timeline thing going on there because in the trailer that we saw for Picard season two, we saw that uh, at one point uh, Jerry Ryan as seven of nine wakes up in a bed and she's not seven of nine anymore. She's clearly just Annika Hansen. She doesn't have her implants. She's not cybernetically enhanced. And uh, yeah. So any thoughts on how or why we're getting a Borg queen? Well, the thing about the implants, I kind of wonder if that maybe was a Picard data green flashback kind of thing, right? Could be because um, they did that in with the first opening scene of the series. He's playing cards with Data, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, yeah, Picard. I mean, I don't know. I mean, and I, I'm kind of curious. Like, where are the Borg in in the timeline now? Because did they didn't they successfully plant a virus? Because there was huge ship had broken away, right? From in TNG. Yeah, but well, they stole they stole the ship. Yeah, they stole the Borg cube, right? Yeah, and then they crash landed it when they were trying to uh, get to the homeworld of the artificial people, and then they left the survivors that were there, but they weren't Borg; they were the the reclaimed people, right? So we don't really right, know right. about Borg writ large. We know about well because it was also that faction that that um, uh, nine seven of nine ended up. Um, communicating with those other Borgs and sort of private relay, right? Yeah, I mean, it seems impossible. Now, of course, we know this casting, but it seems impossible that we weren't, given that we had Picard, who has such a huge history of the Borg, given that we have Seven of Nine, who has a huge history of the Borg, that we wouldn't get some larger Borg stories as Picard continues season after season. But how it all ties together will be interesting. Yeah. 
will be interesting. Jaime, theories, thoughts? I don't really have uh, good ones because we don't know what's going on with the Borg in general in the normal timeline for Picard. And the uh, the timey-wimeyness sort of thing certainly gives a lot of wild cards as to what could happen. Um, I'm not familiar with this actress. I've not really seen Bosch and I haven't seen Runaways. This is the third actress, I think, to play mm-hmm. the Borg Queen, Alice mm-hmm. Creek Creech. Is it supposed to be the same queen? Like I think so. Like in a in a you know, you you drop your iPhone in the river and you go back to iCloud with your new iPhone, it's tech sort of like the new phone is the old phone in a way, right? Right. But none of your apps are there and music doesn't load. Yeah, it's really annoying. But um <laughs> The, uh, yeah, because there was another actress who played. It wasn't Alex Tree who played in the two-parter. Um, At the end of he, Voyager. He, Voyager, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, the, yeah. The last with, couple with episodes of Voyager, we met another Borg queen. And right. I believe she's named in this uh, this deadline story because it says... Is that how they get home? Yes. Oh, okay. That's all, right. that's all part of the same storyline. I was going to say, I wonder what ha- why the Borg never went to Voy on Voy. On Voy. Yeah, here we are. On well, it actually said, this says Voy in the article. Did you not see that? <laughs> there's awesome. uh boy endgame right yeah is that is that the last series of um yeah alice creep played the Borg queen in star trek first contact oh she was in boy endgame what is that yeah i think she came back oh, the, susanna, susanna thompson, thompson played the Borg queen oh, okay. through most of the the tv Voyager series, series. yeah so what is boy endgame b-o-y endgame endgame oh, so was the series finale of voyager oh really okay i'm pretty sure Hopefully I didn't cause a fact check moment there. No, but no, I'm I mean, because sure. it, says, it says here that Susanna Thompson also took the care on the character in, yeah, so the character, so I guess it is the same character. Although, you know, you think they could find another woman and turn her into a Borg and make her the queen, you know? Yeah, Voyager's last episode was Endgame. You are correct, Jaime. Hmm. So it is Voy Endgame. So somebody in the writing department here was just having a little fun with the fact that we're calling it Voy now. Okay, all right. <laughs> Well, speaking of Star Trek, uh, another bit of news this week, we got our first look at the opening sequence for Star Trek Prodigy, the new uh, Nickelodeon slash Paramount Plus series. Uh, Did you guys have a chance to look at this? Yes. Mm -hmm. What are your impressions? Well, there's like a spaceship and like planets and music and good music. It like sounds the, a lot like it's got a bit of Discovery vibe in there, you know, and, and sort of Lower Decks-ish, whatever. But it ain't no John Leem's soundtrack, or Alexander Courage, for that matter. Although he gets credit for the titles in um, Lower Decks, which I'm puzzled by. I think because everything is derivative of his original composition, oh, I right? See. Okay, right. I yeah, this one has a little bit of that towards the end as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can hear yeah, a little bit of the tones yeah, yeah, yeah. in there. yeah. Oh, it, it, Xylophone, yeah. yeah, it's good. Good music. It seems like a good opening. Get some, um, you know, hero shots of the USS, or sorry, yeah, I guess it's USS Protostar NX. I think seven six eight eight four. The quality that I was viewing was questionable mm-hmm. for, for, for my internet being bad today, so I couldn't exactly make out the number. But right, right. Um, it's got a, a cool third warp nacelle that opens up yeah. for extra speed. For a boost, in a weird sequence where it seems like it's going through uh, like a giant celestial space be- being or something, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, that's just in time for the Celestials to be introduced in the Eternals. People will know what they're doing there." Right. Perfect. Perfect crossover between 
trying to Marvel trying to dig into that Marvel audience. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I think I think it looks really good. I mean, it, it doesn't. I, I can see why they felt comfortable releasing it. it. Doesn't spoil anything. I don't feel like I know anything more other than like, oh, it, that's cool. Yeah, I don't know why they would. I mean, you're right, but I don't know why. Why, why would they would introduce the opening? I think they were just trying to sort of uh, get things a little bit teed up. They want people getting a little hyped for the Star Trek Day next week. I think the idea is that, you know, between this, you know, the card casting, between this, you know, some of the news that's been leaking out over the last couple of weeks. I don't know if you guys follow all the Star Trek socials, but they've been uh, teasing pretty heavily that we're going to get a better look at Strange New Worlds uh, right. next oh, week. Okay. So, yeah, I think they're they're just trying to sort of maybe drum up a little interest for, you know, hey, want to see more? Come, come check out Star Trek Day. Right. I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, in not as good news, Top Gun 2, which I know both of you were just dying to see. Just Top Gun 2 or Top Gun colon Maverick is uh, soaring off into the sunset. It is now off the 2021 release calendar. And this is the sort of first, I don't want to call it major because it makes my head hurt, but we'll call it major release of this fall to get bumped into 2022 because of the Delta variant and the widespread of it across particularly the United States, but around the planet as well. We're also uh, getting news that Mission Impossible 7 is uh, getting pushed back as a result of that. And um, Jackass Forever, which again, I was excited for that, is uh, also getting bumped off the schedule so is uh, tom cruise in jackass forever too i you know what he'd have been my first pick when i started thinking of jackasses <laughs> so well fans of the more than just code will know that i talked about jonathan's love of tom cruise in the, in the episode of John Walker. No, just a genuine actor just never yeah. just plays himself over and over and over again always a fresh take on the parts yeah yeah yeah. Anyways, so yeah, these are the first ones we're getting now. We obviously it seems like Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, which is scheduled for release on September third, which you know by the time you're hearing this is probably out. That seems like that ship has sailed, uh, which you know I'm still really kind of sad about because I'm not sure that I'll see it in the theater, and I feel like. Given that it is probably a bit of a referendum on, you know, an Asian-led cast and, and you know, a different type of storytelling and everything else is, is crappy, frankly. It's just really crappy uh, that I don't, you know, I think a lot of people are going to feel a little hesitant to run out to the theater to support it, which is, is very disappointing. Especially here where, you know, right. uh, like C.E. Yeah. Lou is, is beloved here. so Huge in Toronto. Yeah, huge. Yeah. Like, oh, well. Everybody likes him and he's a very likable guy and he's a good actor and it's disappointing. Um, but I wonder what that's going to mean for some of the other stuff this fall. Are we going to see Dune get bumped? Are we going to see the new Matrix movie get bumped? Dare I say it? Are we going to see Eternals or Spider-Man No Way Home bumps? Are I, these getting? Are they getting bumped because? Well, you, it says here because of the Delta variant. Yeah. But I mean, is is this going to be like we want to make as much box office as we can, so therefore we're going to sit on this movie? Like, yeah, same as they've been doing for the past you know year and a half or so. They basically want to sort of see. I, I think what we're really going to see this weekend is a referendum. 
And I, I really wish it wasn't happening with, with Simulu's movie because that's just a crappy thing to do to a cool guy. But I really feel like this whole thing is a referendum on whether or not people are going to go to the theaters for this kind of movie. Because this is a Marvel movie. Marvel movies across the board do well. So let me say this about that. I mean, the 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 fact that we're talking about how hesitant we are about going to see movies is a good indication that... Maybe they ought to rethink how they're distributing movies. If they think getting bums in seats is the only way to, to, to make money on a movie, I think they're looking at it wrong. They're holding it wrong, right? They should be, I think they should be looking at what Black Black Widow did, look at what, you know, the other, other things the Disney movies have been doing. People are paying for Mulan. People are paying for Cruella. People but they're not paying, paying the same for... amount. That's the difference. Like, even when they're charging well, $30 US or $35 Canadian... And so if you can that? if you can afford to sit on a movie for two or three years, then more power to you. You know, I take my hat off to you because you got more money than God, and you you deserve to wait for nobody to go see your movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm sorry, like if you really want to, if you if you're if you're a filmmaker and you really want to get this stuff, I, I you know, yeah, you're, I'm. It's me. I'm talking, right? I'm, I love going to the theater to see movies, right? But I don't love to go to go to a theater and risk my life to watch a movie. Yeah, you know. Right. Yeah, it's it's disappointing. It really is. But I, I really feel like this weekend what's going to happen is all the studios, not just Disney slash Marvel, but all the studios are going to be paying all the attention to how Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings does. Because well, I hope it has a good box office weekend in Alberta. <sighs> yeah, probably. Or in the southern <laughs> United States. I feel like what's going to happen is they're going to sort of have a look at it at the end of the weekend and say, okay, did it make... $50 million? Did it make $100 million? Did it make $200 million? And if they feel like there's an acceptable line of risk there, then all the studios are going to decide whether or not they're going to pull their movies or whether or not they're going to put their movies out. Because this is the first major movie that's come out in a long time, arguably since Tenet last summer. This is the first, like, really want to see it in the movie theater theater all due respect to suicide squad and and some of the other stuff that that came out here uh free guy and some of the other stuff i really think this is the first major movie that's come out in this in this environment and if it does well i think then we're going to definitely still see dune and matrix and all this other stuff stick on the schedule but if it does not perform in the way whatever that number is that Disney Marvel wants to see or or all the other theaters uh, studios that are that are putting movies out if it doesn't hit that mark I bet you we're going to start seeing more of these things vanish off the schedule and move to next year yeah because I'm curious like so you just yeah you just reminded me it, it is Disney why why would they do this to again like yeah we know that the Disney exec doesn't really think it's a real movie because he said that so much you know, last week but I mean they did the same thing with, with Black Widow I mean yeah admittedly they sat on it for almost a year and a half but yeah. they released it online yeah, they released it as you know like buy it I mean you know, we haven't watched it but you and I could have watched it any time in the last you know couple of weeks because we purchased it right so I think the truth though uh, the truth is Tim I think that you and I have very different understanding of what money earnings are than they do. Theoretically, if they had put out Black Widow in a normal environment where there was no pandemic, that movie should have made realistically three quarters of a billion uh, dollars. Uh, three quarters of a million. So what am I saying? It should have earned $750 million to a billion dollars. That's what it should have earned in the theater. Based on some of the non-major event 
Marvel movies. That's that's where it should have probably been. I think in the end, I can't remember, Jaime, I think we talked about it in a previous episode. I think it ended up making worldwide and including Disney Plus, it made like $350 million or something like that, which is not anything to sneeze at. But again, when you're used to use, using the word billion, I think it hurts to go back to million. And I think it's hitting the bottom well, line on these studios. I think they're looking yeah. at this and saying, yeah, sure, we could put out Shang-Chi and have people pay, you know, $35 and watch it in their house and have as many people as they want watch it in their house. Or we can put it in the theaters and see if we can get that big cash grab and see if we can get it up to half a million, uh, you know, $500 million or yeah. $750 million. And what do we care if the audience dies and never, never go see a movie again in the future? And you like, know what? That's their prerogative as a business. And it's our choice as the consumers to say, to hell with you. We're not yeah, going. Right. You right. know, we reserve that right. I just wish it wasn't on seeming loose dime that this was happening. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Aquafina's and all the other great performers and the filmmakers. And it, like, it's just a crappy situation to put them in. You know, I want to support this movie because I like the actors. I like the fact that we're getting better Asian representation in movies, especially big mainstream yeah. movies like this. I feel hamstrung. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if we're actually going to, if, if this is going to have the kind of effect I hope it does and we're going to sort of see. I honestly hope that, you know, either we get to a safer system, which some jurisdictions are getting to, or they just go back to, yeah, this isn't going to work and we'll try it a different way. Yeah. Hey, is, is Monday a holiday for you guys in the States too, I mean, Labor Day? You also have Labor Day? We have Labor yeah. Day for sure. Your your Canadian Labor Day is not like in August. <laughs> ow, Jaime, ow. <laughs> or or like three days before ours, like uh like your fourth of July, your independence yeah. day. Well, the good news is we have Labor Day on the Monday and then our Black Friday is like three days after that, which is really nice. It's convenient for us. Yeah. <laughs> and the best part is Jaime does not know if we're kidding or not. <laughs> I have no idea. That's like we asked. Like I was like, oh, they have a Canadian Labor Day. Interesting. And there's Moose Day coming up. On oh yeah, day. Moose yeah. Day. I got you know. I, I keep forgetting to buy my wife a Moose Day present. <laughs> I was quickly googling Moose Day. Yeah, I'm like maybe this is a day where you know instead of ritualistically shaving yaks, they shave you know moose. Yeah. moose. <laughs> yeah. It's like fish. It's very weird to say moose as a plural. It should be like meese, like geese. Mooses? Mooses? Yeah. Mooses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what do you call a herd of moose? Uh, whatever it wants, because they're huge yeah. and scary. Yep. Yep. Almost saw a moose at the farm, by the way. Almost? How do you almost see a moose? Well, Peter, right? <laughs> <laughs> So he comes in, he says, there's a moose drinking in, in the pond. We had this huge pond out back of their house, right? Like about, you know, 50 feet from the house. And he hears this moose, you know? So he goes and gets a giant flashlight and flashes it at the moose to see the moose. And then he comes in there and tells me, of course, you know, by the time I get out there, the moose saw the flashlight and said, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and so by the time I got out there with my iPhone 12 and was able to take a night shot. So what you're saying is you got a, a tip from a possibly inebriated New Brunswick uh, person yeah. and who may or may not have been a moose. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good, good. Farm good. beers. Good, good. Farm beers were involved. Farm, farm beers um, were involved. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. They so, always are. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I could hear the moose. Like you could hear them baying in the, you know, like seriously, Jaime, we don't all have moose in our backyard. <laughs> <laughs> Dear American audience. <laughs> This is an aberration 
I can assure yeah. you in all my time <laughs> here in Ontario, I have never seen a moose. I saw a moose in Quebec once. <laughs> uh, I've seen them in New Brunswick, but I've never seen one here. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, admittedly, I was crossing the border into Quebec, so. Oh, well. Um, yeah, let's move on to the happy news. Happy news. This one got me excited. So... I am a fan of The Rocketeer. Always have been. Love Dave, Dave Stevens comics. And I really enjoyed the original Disney Rocketeer movie. We are finally going to get the return of The Rocketeer. Disney Plus is going to bring us the return of The Rocketeer. So it is uh, written by Ed Recourt and is a uh, possible star- starring role for David Oya. Oya Lowo, who was the star of Selma. Uh, and I've seen him in some other stuff, and he's great. And I am very excited at this prospect. Uh, I wish they had gone and done it, you know, in like 1993, considering the original movie came out in 1991. That's 30 years for those scoring at home. Yeah, that's Billy Campbell, wow. Yeah, yeah about the old up. Billy Campbell one with uh, Billy Campbell and Jennifer Connelly. It's, uh, I really enjoyed that movie. I think it's great. I've, I've watched it since. I own own it on a Blu-ray, and uh, I love that movie. So I'm very excited that they're, they're finally going to return to that Franchise, I wish again, I wish that there was some stronger sort of connection, but who knows? I mean, Billy's still around. Maybe they'll they'll sort of tie yeah. it all together. But yeah, really cool that they're going to finally finally dip back into that franchise. And, well, Billy uh, Campbell did a, a, a really good show, which I've talked about, called Cardinal, which is like a Canadian cop show, mm-hmm. right? Where he partners with a with a Quebecois uh, detective, mm-hmm. and, it's, it's, and he's got a you know shady past, and it takes but part of it takes pl- place in Toronto, and some part of it takes place up northern Toronto, northern Ontario. But really good show. So it's like three seasons long, nice. sort of a murder mystery kind of stuff, right? Cool. But like with with season long arcs, right? Good show, Cardinal. Either of you a Rocketeer fans in any way? I can't remember if I ever saw The Rocketeer now, now that you say that. Right? Oh, I, he must have been quite young when he played it. Billy, right? Billy's very charming, but I, I would watch that movie a thousand times for how beautiful Jennifer Connelly looks in that movie. She is plays this sort of like, you know, 1940s, uh, 19, yeah, 1940s, uh, you know, Hollywood girl, and she is breathtakingly beautiful in that movie. Okay. Yeah, yes. I saw. I, I definitely saw it, and I'm pretty sure I owned a Rocketeer action figure of some nice. sort. Um, although I've admittedly not seen it for a few decades, so <laughs> gotta gotta Somewhere find where that's in El Paso. Yeah, I gotta find the uh, the movie wherever it's streaming and uh, yeah, watch it before Disney Plus because Disney owns the rights. So. Disney. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I'll I'll check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, we got some casting news. Uh, on the, I'd say long awaited, but I mean, really, is, is that even apt when you're talking about the Mad Max movies, the sort of, I guess it's a prequel, the prequel to Mad Max Fury Road is focusing on the character of Furiosa that was played by Charlize Theron in that, uh, the new movie is going to start Anya Taylor-Joy, who, uh, of course, most recently is in The Queen's Gambit. She was nominated for uh, Emmy Award for that and uh, got huge, huge accolades and praise for that. I loved her in that performance. And she's going to be in the new Edgar Wright movie as well. And um, I, I I mean, I was probably in for this movie already, but I love that she's in it. Apparently, according to uh, a few different sources, including the, uh, the article that we'll link to from our show notes, uh, it says that the reason that she got cast in this is that Edgar Wright 
showed an early cut of Last Night in Soho to uh, the director, uh, George Miller, of course, the, the creator of all the Mad Max movies. And apparently he thought her performance was so captivating that he immediately cast her as, as the young Furiosa. So Thanks. all yeah. our worlds are colliding. There you go. Yeah, so that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Next up... DC Fandom is back. So, you know, we got a Star Trek day. We got a Star Wars day. Apparently, Fandom is a recurring thing now. Who Don't knew? forget we got Tadam from Netflix. Tadam, yes, we do have Tadam. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, DC Fandom is going to take place on Saturday, October 16th, beginning at 1 p.m. Eastern Time or 10 a.m. Pacific Time. You do the math wherever you are. They are going to unveil all kinds of stuff. So they're going to they've already announced a little bit of the a teaser for what they're going to do on the streaming event. Uh, they it's basically they're, they're labeling it as the free digital comic convention. And uh, so they're going to talk about Aquaman King of Atlantis, which is the new uh, HBO animated series that they're working on. Uh, the Batman, which is the uh, the movie that's going to come into the theaters. Uh, Black Adam, which is the one that's starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson. They're talking about all their new TV shows. Uh, the seasons are still going on. Uh, they're talking about Doom Patrol, DMZ, The Flash movie, The Flash TV show, Harley Quinn, Injustice, Legends of Tomorrow, Stargirl. You name it, they are going to be in and on it. Um, so if you are a fan of DC comics, there is going to be a ton of stuff coming out of that. I'm sure talking about, of course, a whole bunch of new, uh, graphic novel projects and a whole bunch of TV projects, live action movies, all that stuff. So should be a good one for us because it'll probably lay out what they have in mind for the next year or year, year and two. Yep. Cool. And now to uh, some sad news. So unfortunately, this week we lost a television legend, uh, Ed Asner, who famously played the uh, gruff but lovable newsman Lou Grant on the Mary Tyler Moore show and later in his own drama, Lou Grant, passed away at age 91 this week. He was uh, just apparently an absolute uh, gentleman. Um, I, I have some people who have encountered him over the years that he was an absolute gent. He won five Emmy Awards. He was extremely lauded and loved and, uh, you know, crossed over into our world a little bit. You know, famously, again, we talked about how he did the voice for the uh, the lead character in Up. And he is, uh, yeah, he's just sort of this this acting legend who seemed like he was always there. He, and he was working, you know, again, he did the voice for the, the Doug Days cartoon that's now on Disney+. Plus, and he was working right to the end. I saw him uh, in live action recently. He did an HBO series. Uh, he did a couple episodes of an HBO series that I was watching. And, uh, yeah, he was apparently, you know, active and working and, and doing all that stuff, you know, right up into his into his 90s. So... What a huge life and, and what a huge loss. I mean, this guy was was an absolute Hollywood legend. Yeah, definitely. I pretty much loved everything he was in. And I think he, um, I think Gavin McLeod and only one other person left from the main cast. Well, Gavin's died. Gavin died. Did he, oh, he is dead. Yeah, okay, Gavin so died. It's Betty White is the last Betty one. Betty White, yeah. Well, she's, yeah, she's like, she's going to marry, um, uh, Keith Richards at some point, I'm sure. Yeah, Betty White is the last survivor of the Mary Tyler Moore show and the last survivor of the Golden Girls and the last survivor of pretty much anything she's ever and starred password. in. Yeah, password, yep. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. so keep your eye on Betty White. If you've got the, the betting pools going, Betty White is the name you're looking for. Wow, yeah. Hmm. Let's hope you haven't jinxed her. <laughs> well, if she dies next week, I'm going to get a lot of hate emails. Yeah, yeah. no, it's like... I- 
it kind of feels like she's eternal, like the queen, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah. Like they're locked, you know, in some sort of astral battle, <laughs> continuously <laughs> trying to squelch the other one, and neither one gives ground. I, I had visions of her as like uh, the Kurgan in Highlander. There can be only one, you know, just yeah. <laughs> Betty White for the yeah. win. Yeah, here's hoping. All right, Jaime, your turn to talk. so uh in the grand world of intellectual property making its way in many places um like you know the office that was on netflix and then went to uh back to nbc which put it on peacock uh friends went to hbo max seinfeld is now moving from uh hulu over to netflix which apparently had acquired the rights uh, almost two years ago. So I don't recall. Let me, let me click through this article here. I don't think it's ever been off Canadian television. Like, no, it, it's like Seinfeld. constantly on here too, on um, like TBS or something. I got a yeah, comedy or something. Yeah, maybe yeah. it's TBS here too. Yeah. What is, uh, is there a number of years assigned here? I don't know. A, a bunch of years probably, but you know, I'm, I'm finding it kind of curious that that didn't, I, I thought that was an NBC show. I'm a little surprised it didn't default back to Peacock. Um, but hey, maybe, you know, big uh, big bags of cash. Netflix brought up to, uh, you know, dump trucks of cash. And now they're going to get it um, starting October 1st. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, speaking of time, this is practically follow-up to last week where we talked about Amazon's Wheel of Time show. We now have the first trailer. So not just stills, we get to see this stuff in action. The show is coming on uh, November 19th. Thoughts? I've, I mean, the the trailer itself looked good and fun. Uh, it reminds me a bit of like um, Netflix's Shadow and Bone series mm-hmm. in terms of cinematography and stuff. I'm not familiar with the original property, having never read the series. What did you gentlemen think? I thought it was impressive looking. Like production value looks high. It's got a really kind of awesome looking cast. I mean, Russell and Pike, and you know, there's it, like it looks really good. It had a uh, sort of a mix of a Game of Thronesy kind of vibe, which I guess is inescapable in in this sort of fantasy genre right now, just because it's the, the most recent big thing we've had. But obviously, much more sort of uh, mystical sorcery kind of thing going on there. I I would watch this. I, I again, I'm with you, Jaime. I don't know anything about it. One of my best friends is actually a huge Robert Jordan fan and has read everything and so i'll be really curious to pick his brain as to whether or not he's excited and whether or not he feels like this is a decent representation of the work obviously you know not around to object to it but um i am curious to sort of see what amazon has in mind here is this you know season one of you know five ten or is this you know are they doing it book by book? Uh, again, I really don't know. But it again, the trailer looks compelling. I like the actors. It looks like the production value is pretty high. I'd, I'd watch this for sure. Will you watch it, Tim? Um, I might, yeah. If it's on Netflix and it's free, sure. Well, it's on Amazon Prime. <laughs> oh, it's Prime, even better. If it's on Prime and it's free, I'll watch it, yeah. yeah Prime, I mean, i got to say, Prime does seem to have a glut of, like, gotta watch this show shows, you know? I mean, they come. It's it's not as they're not as you know um, ubiquitous as they are on Netflix or Disney's or Apple TV, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like you know, just about you know all the the major production stuff on Apple I've been watching, but um, yeah, like I kind of wait for Prime maybe a couple of months. They have something that's worth you know stopping by and having a look, right? Mm-hmm. 
So I'll probably watch. Is it a movie or a show? series? I think. Series. Yeah. Okay. All right. More dragons. World needs more dragons. Cool. Well, guess what? We're at that part of the show where we talk about Star Trek Lower Decks this time. We're talking about Mugato, Gumato, Bulato. There's like lots of ways to pronounce this name. Um, but uh, yeah, we're gonna let Timey do the do the rundown and. We'll sit back and laugh. Here's the challenge, Jaime. As you go through it, every single time you say the word, you have to say it differently. A different way. And yeah. go. go. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> it's not the first word in the in the notes, so I, I guess I have a few different chances here. So we start off with the Cerritos, um, you know, people on the treadmill doing gym-like things, uh, Boimler and Rutherford and Mariner doing the... Uh, Captain, or sorry, Commander Riker gladiator sport thing. I forget what it's called. Oh, it, it, looks like, judo, yeah. it looks like American gladiators. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, it was like the, the, in that episode when Riker's dad came on board and they like beat each other with sticks. <laughs> but isn't that the tool that, that they used in, in when Spock was having Pon Far on, on Vulcan? You know, it had the. Yeah, oh, it, it looks on, like on those same last generation. It's it had got the, like the dull the, end the, and then the sharp end. The blade and the, the whacker part. Yeah. Yeah. Big mm-hmm. eraser mm-hmm. thing on the end. So, uh, yeah. you know, they, they, they have some fun, but it gets a little serious with Mariner getting injured and with blood on her face saying that now she can finally get in a real workout and she just goes ham oh, they on. Take, they say, you know, you can leave the kid gloves on. You can take the kid gloves off, right? Yeah, yeah. And the, the kid gloves are off and she just absolutely destroys Rutherford and Boimler, including <laughs> like a hand stabbing as the stick broke. <laughs> yeah. um, Shax comes in and is just completely undisturbed by what's happening here. He's just waiting for his, you know, uh, 10, 10 minutes, minutes early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> carry on, carry, carry on. on. Um, so we cut to the planet, surf or a planet surface, where some, I wrote Phloxes, I looked it up, as Denobulans mm-hmm. are on a planet, and they get attacked by a gorilla-ish beast that we will learn the name of soon, because we come to Captain Freeman. It says that they're headed to Frylon 4, which has reports of a Mugato that's not native to the planet. And they're like, what's going on there? we got to check this out. Over in... I don't know if they ever actually call this 10 Forward. I'm going to call it 10 Forward because of TNG. Um, over in 10 Forward, the, the, the mess hall, so to speak, uh, Boimler and Rutherford are playing a game called Diplomath, where they are both losing and accept a compromise, because it's like the way to win, apparently, is to be upset at what, what you've uh, both received. Right? This, this will become important later. Uh, there's a there's a sketchy look from the bartender who calls Mariner a you know a powder keg friend of yours and he's he's regaling them with all of these things of like haven't you ever wondered how she can kick so much ass and get away with everything you know she's a secret agent for Starfleet Black Ops and isn't it weird how she seems to know every fighting style and meanwhile in the background Mariner is doing that knife trick with uh, with a Klingon knife. She just like you know got her hand on the table and stabbing in between you know the the fingers. So it it, it seemed pretty like believable at this point. Uh, there is an interruption and in that Billups is still waiting for his peach daiquiri. So the uh, <laughs> the bartender's boss is like that teenager from The Simpsons. It's always at the the fast food restaurant. <laughs> You've got that yeah. really high pitched voice. And uh, then we cut over to sick bay where uh, Tendi is excited to help on a patient who's who's got some medical issues but gets pushed out of the way and overruled by her superior officer 
I forget the name of the person that she was so angry at before, but this person has the, the extra uh, lieutenant junior grade pit, uh, uh, hollow pit on her, uh, not a piece of corn on her, yeah. uh, <laughs> on her pips. And, uh, you know, Dr. Tana sees this and, uh, and tasks Tendi with a list of folks who haven't gotten their physical exams, their annual exams. Like, hey, I, I need you to go do this. All right, go, go track all these people down. This will become important later as well. Meanwhile, Rutherford and Boimler are studying Mariner's previous assignments. They're like, you know, it's kind of weird. There's this one ship, the Atlantis, where like half the crew just disappeared. <laughs> like there's like no explanation whatsoever. And they're starting to really believe like maybe she is a, you know, sinister black ops person. Mariner comes in. They like throw a, a tricorder at her. She catches it in a really cool fashion right in front of her face. Like she's just got incredible you know cat-like reflexes and she's acting kind of kind of sinister afterwards the uh the away team the whole group you know beams down to uh to the planet Fralon 4 to search for the magato <laughs> <laughs> there you go that was a little different accent there uh as as they're they're hunting this beast down uh shacks Sniffs and tastes the dung and describes it as both fresh and tangy. <laughs> tangy, oh. <laughs> else is like, <laughs> yeah, and you know he keeps tasting the dung. They're like, dude, it's very clear that it's heading in this direction. Why do you keep doing this? <laughs> He's fast uh, and, becoming one of my favorite characters. Oh my gosh! Um, and, and as it turns out, there are some Ferengi who are poaching the Magetos. <laughs> And and the Ferengis also have a signal jammer, so the away team is all alone for this mission. They just, you know, aren't going to be able to get help. And I forgot to mention that the bartender had said that, like, hey, you know, Mariner is going to show her training when her back's against the wall. And now here, Shaq says, this is just how I like it. Her back's against the wall, yeah. <laughs> setting up, a, a, you know, the potential uh, for bad things to happen here. Uh, Shaq's jumps into the fray, curb stomps a Ferengi poacher. The other poacher pulls out the, uh, the TNG era Ferengi whip, uh, accidentally whips the control systems for the, uh, Megatu cages. <laughs> <laughs> Deadly chaos ensues as like all the creatures are, are, are let out. And, uh, in the chaos, Mariner, uh, both Boimler and Rutherford see Mariner stab Shax and then like drink his blood like an insane person. <laughs> So they're they're 100% freaked out at this point. Um there was another alien that was with the Ferengi. I I forget what his name and or species was, but there was like a green guy who was, you know, part of like the trading crew trying to deal with the the animals. Yeah, he was looking for horns. Is that what he was? Okay, he was yeah. a he, yeah, was, he was a they he were was trying to trade them for horns. Right, right, right. So he he escapes the planet. Are they horns or are they tusks? They do say that. Yeah, it's a, well, it's a thing on the top of their head, right? Yeah, well, they, they yeah. say make a point right. of saying it's a horn. Is it a horn or is it a tusk? Who cares? We're going to chop them up anyways. Right. <laughs> so the, uh, the Cerritos sees a lone ship exiting the planet. They're talking to the guy. He acts like a 100% jerk and they tractor beam him. This unfortunately causes the ship's hull integrity to start failing so they said, okay, we're going to have to emergency beam him to the bridge. And his ship explodes. And he's like, oh, no, all my, all my stuff. You know, he's, he's, he's feeling very hurt here. Uh, cut back over to 
Boimler and Rutherford in the woods, uh, they encounter another Mugato. <laughs> well seen. Well seen. Well that's, that's another pronunciation. There you go. Um, and and they're saved by an, an an Aussie alien biologist. So I don't remember if he said what what species he was. Um, no, he does say his name though. He says his name is Patengi. 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 <laughs> okay. I'm the biologist. Patengi. <laughs> so we we cut back to. To the ship where Tendi is making the um, the rounds for the annual physical and just gets flat out turned down by by officer after officer, right? So she's just not getting anywhere on uh, on these whole an- come into sick bay for annual exam things. We cut back to the planet service in Patengi. Is that what you said his name was? Yep, Patengi. Uh, yep. They he, he had claimed that he had five books about these these animals and. It turns out he has read five books, not written them, and he's dead. <laughs> he just gets <laughs> just murdered. his head right off. Yeah. So, uh, so and Rutherford are like not in a good place right now. Um, back on the ship, though, uh, Tendi uses a DNA scan of a cup in in the mess hall or ten forward to to get around the uh, the annual scan thing and realizes like this dude's skeleton is made out of paper apparently as he's just <laughs> falling apart while trying to uh, put the moves on a lady yeah it's it's really bad sign when you break your hip hitting on someone um back on the planet boimler and rutherford hide in a log from two mugatos who are <laughs> Then mating on top of the log, and then, then a third one arrives on the scene, <laughs> and apparently has vowed only to watch and never to interfere. And, and <laughs> In gently the... stroking his horn and or tusk. Tusk, yeah, <laughs> it gets real weird. <laughs> that one just likes to watch. Apparently, <laughs> uh, we. Uh... We cut back to uh, to the ship. Tendi is going for the next exam. Uh, in this case, with uh, with Jet, who is fighting um, Kayshawn in a uh, or, or not fighting, um, um, sparring mm. Kayshawn, and uh, this ends up distracting him. He just gets you know his clock cleaned, <laughs> but the scan is done. She flies into another crewman scan on what is presumably the holodeck. <laughs> just kind of like makes her way in, scanning people. She sees. Doing a really good job, but then finds this mysterious entry that doesn't have a name on the list. It's just a number. Um, we're back on the planet. Rutherford's uh, little eye implant scans a booby trap, which unfortunately ends up trapping Mariner. He's like, look, guys, I'm not a black ops spy. I started the rumor. They're like, what? what are you talking about? But like, you went crazy on Shax and like stabbed him and bit him. He's like, no, no, no. I stabbed Shax because he was poisoned. I was getting the poison out of him, right? And they're like, well, what happened to the Atlantis? Like, just half the crew just left. It's like, no, we, they, they kept that off their record because, like, it's embarrassing to lose a starship to lice. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so all, all the weird, you know, holes in, in what the record was were, you know, starting to get filled in here. And, you know, they have a little heartwarming thing where they're like, well... We kind of believed it all because we didn't think a badass like you would be friends with us, right? So these uh, they bring the the whole spirit of friendship here. So Mariner is then you know trapped by uh, by the Ferengi um, and, and and taken away there. Back on the ship, we have uh, Tendi and Doctor Tuana talking about the list of exams and this mysterious last person without the exam. And her eyes wander over to a panel and realize that wait a minute, that number 
is the doctor's identification. You're the last holdout. And Dr. Tana kind of loses it here. She's like, you want me to see a doctor? I am the doctor. And runs away going full cat. Running around, hiding under stuff. I love the scene with with Tendi chasing her down the hallway going, bad Dr. Tana, bad. Yeah, bad. (laughs) So, uh, So Captain Freeman is offering a shuttle to the poacher to replace his uh, his destroyed ship. Uh, and they're just going to claim, like, we'll just tell Starfleet we lost it, like, in a black hole or something, right? Like, that just happens all the time with Starfleet shuttles. And the guy's like, oh, really? Um, uh, well, you know, I can't replace the unique items I lost, which all happen to be items on the captain's shelf, right? So he's taking full advantage of this uh, this negotiation here. Meanwhile, you know, Boimler and Rutherford are trying to figure out how they can save Shax and Mariner from the Ferengi poachers, and they realize they they can only use their brain. This is like the best thing, right? Cut back to the ship. Tendi's chasing Dr. Tana in, in the Jeffrey's tube, like all crazy there. In part of this, she falls down, breaks her arm, and is like, oh, my arm is broken. The doctor's like, come on, man, that's like such a fake thing oh my gosh holy shit it's totally broken and tendy like a real trooper uses that opportunity to scan the doctor even though uh, her like skeleton her her broken bone is poking through the exposed skin crazy crazy um i have the have you ever heard of quark thing (laughs) here where (laughs) the uh, the captees are talking to the the ferengi and they're like yeah obviously i've heard of of quark man you don't have to be this like tng era ferengi you should be a uh, you know profit driven ferengi here's where boimler and rutherford come in with using their brains seemingly coming in with a cannon but it's actually a projector and they project a little hologram with a whole business plan for the um Miguel Toss <laughs> instead of uh, <laughs> instead of having you know dead ones that you you know poach and and sell the horns tusks whatever what if you had live ones and then you can make this whole thing where you can get them you know on like an endangered species sort of list you ban the killing of them and make this into a nature preserve for them right and uh you know, the Frank is like, oh, I don't really like letting captives go. And the Starfleet guys are like, well, technically we should be apprehending you because you were committing the crime here. And they say, well, if we're both unhappy, then we've reached a compromise. Just like the Diplomath movie and, uh, sorry, a game yeah, yeah. earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, things are taken care of here. Shax is getting tended to by Dr. Tana in sickbay in a very yeah, sort of is. lusty those, sort of way. Yeah, <laughs> right? Those two apparently at the very least hooking up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this time Tendi doesn't let the superior officer take charge when a patient starts, uh, you know, coding. Uh, and she gets a little bit of a pat on the back from Dr. Tana and says, by the way, this isn't your patient. Get the heck out of the way. <laughs> Good for showing, you know, showing some spine, but, this is the wrong spot. We end up seeing uh, Captain Freeman chatting with uh, Admiral Freeman. Uh, and apparently there's some sort of scam going around the universe where a junk ship will purposely self-destruct and blame it on Starfleet. <laughs> so smash cut to the Cerritos hard tractoring the shuttle yeah. <laughs> and say like, yeah, we're back for this. We figured you out. And they, yeah. uh, they take them back to the planet and say you can do some good for a change like shoveling all this uh, fresh and tangy dung 
Yeah. Um, then we uh, go to the last part of the show where Mariner, Rutherford, and Boimler are all playing Diplomath. They accept each other's strengths. They realize that, like, even though she's never played the game before, like, oh my god, she was totally winning the game. What's happening? Why is she beating us? <laughs> and we leave with Mariner spreading new rumors to the bartender about uh, what the boys did down on the planet. Yeah, continuing them the, the Gamato it, twins and saying that they that they have secret special powers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the weapon that they use is the. A Vulcan Lerpa, that's from Unlock Time, which is the episode where, where Spock goes into heat, right? Yeah. And it's the one that Kirk has to fight against uh, the wife's champion or whatever. Yeah. So, did you guys, uh, do you guys, uh, do you guys know the origin of the funny, like, Magato, Gamato, Potato, Potato joke? No, I don't know, but I, I do recognize the, the creature. So, the creature was from the original series. Uh, mm-hmm. It was originally called the Neuralese Great Ape in the first draft script from 1967. The Mugatu eventually became known as the Gamato in the later draft scripts. However, DeForest Kelly could not pronounce the name correctly, and it changed. So both Kelly right. and William Shatner pronounced the name as Mugatu all the way through the episode. And Mugatu is still frequently spelled as Mugatu instead of ta- Gato. It's Gatu. And apparently throughout the series that it's been kind of flashed back and forth between Mugatu, Mugato, and Gumato. So mm. that's why it's sort of a running gag that these guys just jumped on board and that I must say, hi, mate, bravo. Well done. Well, well done. You <laughs> trying my best that. To that was really good. As many possible ways as I could. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I love that they you were just think- like, that's, that's even deeper, deeper cuts. Cause not only was that like a, a joke, about an original TOS thing, but it was a joke about a behind-the-scenes thing that, like, you know, that they were mispronouncing the name even then. That's that's pretty that's pretty awesomely deep cuts. Did you get Did you cover the part about um, where uh, Boimler and Rutherford are comparing other sort of Star Trek tropes? Did you miss that? You know the part where they're like last week they they talked about the ways that that um, the senior officers could come back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this this episode, they had a, a similar type thing where they they count, recounted all the the various ways that things could happen. Yeah, yeah. It's easy Did for them to that? do. There's so many. Again, you're dealing with this is the 801st episode of uh, Star Trek yes. at large, right? Yeah. Yep. You can really take it to task if you want to. Yeah. Cool. Again, this show it so rarely disappoints, but when it's at its best, again, Shaq's eating the two helpings of M- Mugatu uh, dung was just hilarious. Or the part where they throw, they both throw their tricorders at Mariner at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so wait a minute, just because I got a lucky on one catch means yeah, that I'm yeah. a secret black agent, a black ops agent? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the first time they've wrecked, um, what is it called? What do they call it? Sector 32, what's it called? Section 31. Section 31, yeah. They, the first time they've referenced that in this show, I think. Oh no, they mentioned it last year with the, uh, with the, um. The senior team with the black. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, they went, they went on the yeah the black uniforms and yeah yeah mm. yeah yeah. Oh, I, I honestly, this is my favorite Star Trek show now. It really is. It's so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> it really yeah. is. It's so good. Like it again. I, I I did actually have a bit of a follow up to our discussion last week. I did have a conversation. So my son caught up and mm-hmm. watched all of the oh, right. the episodes, yeah. and we had a conversation on our previous episode about how people you know would it really only resonate with star trek fans and 
And his perspective was, you know, yeah, I know there's probably some stuff that I'm not getting, but I still think it's hilarious and funny and a really nice take on on sci-fi. And, you know, I'm okay with missing a few jokes. And if I'm watching with somebody who knows, like, you know, me or Tim or whatever, then all the better. I get that much more information. But he's like, I don't feel like I'm missing anything. And they do try and a lot of stuff. They do sort of explain it within the context of the show. He's like, I don't miss out on everything i just miss out on like a tiny bit of the nuance i'm like all right fair point so he didn't feel like it was really impairing his enjoyment of the show so yeah as i suspected i think it's a it's a good good animated series it's a good you know sci-fi if you're like if you're into any star trek at all and i don't think it matters if you're you know a tng or a voy fan um you know uh, or Deep Space Nine or whatever, like, you know. Or even I, I just think, sci-fi think, writ large. Like, it does kind of work yeah. on the tropes of sci-fi in general that, you know, we're so used to this sort of heroic veneer on these characters and this, you know, never-say-die attitude to, to go to the other side of that of, like, of course the ship has to have people who are not like that. It works across, a, you know, you don't, you don't have to know Star Trek. You don't have to know everything about it to get the humor of that. We've all worked some crappy jobs, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's the thing, the sort of, the sort of lower, you know, the worker level knowledge of what's going on kind of plays on that thing. Like, you know, like the thing about this is like we talked about before, the bridge crew are always like the A players, right? Um, And these, these guys, while they're A players in our, from our perspective, because of the the four on the show, um, they kind of, it's funny because this week they paired Rutherford and Boiler together, but um, they, you know, and Tendi wasn't even involved, but uh, they, the way they, the way they sort of like have these sort of, you know, we know what's going on, but we're kind of in the fog and we're okay with that kind of perspectives, right? Mm-hmm. You know, whereas we, as the informed, you know, watchers, know the reference that they're the the four characters are missing, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, and you know, they did kind of set they set us up, they set us all up with this black ops thing last week, right? When Mariner says to Tendi in the in the shuttlecraft that, hey, I've got this mysterious past sort of thing that you don't really know about, right? Yeah, and they've hinted at it throughout the whole series that she's, you know, been in multiple places, she has lots of interesting experiences, you know, whether or not that was ever going to pay off was sort of a mystery, but yeah, we do get a bit of a payoff this time. More Mac problems. Yeah, <laughs> more Mac problems. <laughs> not Mac. It's always crashing and wanting bones. <laughs> yeah. Now that you've interrupted the podcast. Yeah, so let's talk about what if then, I guess, if we're done with Star Trek. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. So what if the Sorcerer Supreme lost the love of his life and not the use of his hands? Mm, this was interesting. dark. Dark. Yeah, it's been on trend. Was, I thought last week was dark, but damn, this was a dark episode. I mean, there was some humor, but oof, there's a lot of stuff to chew on here. Like, repeatedly seeing... Uh, you know, Christine Palmer die over and over again, and yeah. and then you know, Doctor Strange making all these dark choices as he, you know, just trying to bring her back, and he's killing all these other creatures. He kills a, a gnome. I mean, it's it's, yeah. it's dark. It's a dark episode. Yeah. yeah. Why was he absorbing all? He was trying to get the powers from all these other fantasy creatures. Yeah. He re- so he he ends up going back in time to the lost library of Cagliostro, yeah. and he gets all those books and one of the books mentions that he can absorb power from other beings and first he dismisses it and then he realizes uh you know let me try this and he his he first thing he calls up is this massive creature which i don't know if to you guys but to me it looked like the exact same creature from episode one the giant <laughs> tentacled hydra beast yeah. 
And he realizes, nope, that's a little outside of my league. Let's start smaller. And so he calls forth a gnome. And then he basically devours its life energy. Yeah. And yeah. then he gets more powerful. And then he just sort of starts working his way up the food chain till eventually he finally does get to the point where he can absorb that kind of level of, of beast. And, and then he uses that power to, to uh, basically engage in this. Well, I guess, you know, obviously spoilers. Spoilers abound here, kids. But he ends up... Yeah, it's up, a bit of Groundhog Day, let's just say that. Yeah, he yeah. basically, he realizes that um, the, the Ancient One has split Doctor Strange into two paths, two timelines existing in the same universe, where right. one Doctor Strange did go to the past and became this, this monstrous creature who absorbs all this other life force and, and learns and lives for centuries and, and does all these evil things in the effort to try and get Christine to come back to life. The other Doctor Strange puts the Eye of Agamotto back down, doesn't manipulate time and lives his life. Right. And eventually the two of them come into conflict and have a really fun fight scene. Like That was one of the best fight yeah. scenes I've seen in a cartoon Ooh. in a long time. That was really well done. And then, yeah, and then in a bit of a twist of fate, uh, the, the dark Doctor Strange wins, kills and, and consumes the, the life force of the, of the uh, heroic Doctor Strange. Yeah. And in doing so, he raises, you know, he, he breaks this absolute point in time where Christine has to die for him to be able to save the universe. And in doing so, he destroys his whole universe and ends up basically ending up face to face with a watcher saying like, well, you can stop this. You have the power of a god. You can you can fix this. And the watcher basically says, dude, you did this to yourself. You know, like nothing I can do about and, this. And I don't have that power. Yeah, yeah. And we end up with, you know, the dark Doctor Strange basically alone in a bubble. And even Christine, the revived Christine, basically disappears in front of him. And we're left with him alone in this void. I, yeah. I do wonder if this is the, the last we'll see of this incarnation of Doctor Strange. The dark one? The dark one, because he's not dead. Mm -hmm. He's just in this little pocket of darkness inside of his destroyed yeah. universe. There's no reason yep. why in a multiverse movie, say, for example, something called Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, that we couldn't see a hmm. dark Doctor Strange. True, yeah. I think it was interesting, too, the way they kind of, and again, this is the sort of writer's trick, but they, at one point, one of the doctors hears the voice of the Watcher. Yeah, the one in the past. <laughs> yeah, he actually senses yeah. the Watcher watching him. Yeah. Yeah, which is kind of cool. But it, so, but in I remember in in Endgame, or maybe it was the one before Endgame, he's sitting there, you know, twirling his like dials or whatever they're called to try and find a solution to yeah, it's Infinity War with Thanos. Yes, in, right? Infinity War. But he doesn't to figure out how to how to fix it. But then he only he says there's only one way to fix it. Yeah. And and but he doesn't actually go into those scenarios. He just plays them all through, like he like a chess player would sort of look at the board and. Figure out what the best best moves are. Well, right? because he see when he comes back out of it, he says to Iron Man, "If I tell you what I saw, then it won't happen." Yeah. So right. Yeah. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I think this this was an interesting interesting story. It made me realize that I am looking forward to. And we talked about it last week, talking about looking forward to Spider Man mm -hmm. and the familiarity of that Spider Man universe and Spider Man characters. I'm looking forward to another Doctor Strange movie. I yeah I think this was the first time I haven't haven't rewatched Doctor Strange I've I've watched bits of some of the other movies over the past few years I will probably want to go back and watch Doctor Strange again after this I had forgotten how much I enjoyed that character and the mystic part of the Marvel universe as they portrayed it and I think and, and Benedict Wong and and you know uh, they, they had Tilda, Tilda Swinton there as the Ancient One and like you know everybody was back and I 
I found myself thinking like, yeah, I, I really am looking forward to, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch being Doctor Strange again in a big blockbuster movie. And, you know, yeah. I, we know obviously it's going to tie into the multiverse. We know it's going to tie into WandaVision. I'm looking forward to seeing this character again and having his own adventure, not just as part of the ensemble of, of yeah, Avengers. I got to say that the, the collecting of the Infinity Stones got a little tiring, like because that was obviously one of the major plot points in the Doctor Strange movie, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Because he carries one or he protects one. Yeah. But. But I mean, like, you know, so it's kind of interesting to see what's going to happen now in the Marvel. Like, you know, Black Widow, there was no, well, was there there a mention of Infinity Stones at all in that movie? I don't know if there was, right? No, I don't think there was. But yeah, and then, you know, the sort of, you know, even in Ragnarok, they reference it a bit, you know, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think, you know, okay, that, that arc has run. So let's, let's look at some fresh stories. That'd be kind of interesting, interesting thing to do. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I think. I think it definitely whet my appetite for more Doctor Strange, which is, I guess, kind of the best part of these what if episodes is that they are going to places that we haven't necessarily spent a lot of time, even if it is in these weirdly twisted ways. Um, I mean, this was, as I say, this was an extremely dark and kind of depressing story of, you know, like, I mean, as much as obviously you can blame the, the Doctor Strange who goes to the past and everything. But, you know, I mean, he's going because he's anguished over losing this this person that he loves you know he doesn't set out to become a monster he feels like he's justified because everything that he does he feels is in the cause of of being to be reunited with her and he loves her you know so many of the best villains of course are motivated by by what they view as as the right thing to do even you know we talked about thanos right like thanos thinks he's doing the right thing even though everyone else would be like dude genocide um it's interesting it's interesting that that they can take that character who we all you know have seen just nothing but you know the good side of and, and spin it that way and, and make it into a into a monster yeah yeah well i mean i mean he is kind of a creep in in the beginning of the original well, he's a narcissist for movie. sure yeah yeah you know so i mean he's already he's got you know he's got that attitude already so that there is that side of him like that you know you could exploit right yeah. and and here the twist is you know he doesn't lose the use of his hand in fact he was even like feeling sorry for himself when he lost his hands right mm. Perhaps we're talking too much, but I'm curious, Jaime, what you thought of this one? <laughs> it was pretty interesting for its darkness and that it has um, like a twisted Groundhog's Day sort of approach where they show like every single thing he tried to do to avoid his fate, right? Yeah. He's like, all right, what if I, what if I don't, you know, what if I yeah. don't do, do the stereotypical yeah. rich doctor with an awesome sports car? Let me just do the illegal thing and zoom around this truck. He's like, what if I just hang behind it? Oh, they get hit from behind. Okay. What if we take a different route? Nope. They get hit by a different truck. Okay. We're going to go to a pizza joint. Just do that instead. Nope. You know, they get uh, caught up in, in some sort of um, robbery that happens. Yeah. So um, that that was interesting. I did think. Very early on, I was like, oh, he needs more power. Maybe this is going to be an Infinity Stone-related thing. Mm. They didn't go that route. They went down the mystic absorbing other people's essence sort of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I did think it was interesting that they they did what they've done in the in the comics a few times, where people can perceive the Watcher. Yep. And this is that, that first time to, to see that. So I thought that was pretty well done. Yeah. Yeah, I, I still feel like it's funny. Again, this is episode four of nine. We still don't have a ton of cohesion. These are still what appear to be, at this point, standalone stories. The question is, will it build towards something as the season progresses, or are we just going to keep getting standalone story after standalone story? We know somewhere down the line that we're getting a, 
a Marvel zombie story. We've seen that in the in the previews. Um, you know, there there are some stories to tell. I, I do wonder if this is going to sort of feel more cohesive. They made a point of before the season of saying this is this is going to be part of canon and this is you know part of the greater story. But I'm yeah, I'm, I'm I wonder if it doesn't pay off until you know multiverse of madness or something else, or or if it's actually going to pay off here. Because so far, it's it certainly isn't. The time in between episodes, the time between episodes on one division was long. It was even longer with Loki. I was like, could not wait for the next episode to find out where it was going. Because between the performances and the story, I thought it was crackling. In this one, I got to be honest, I don't even give it a second thought once I finish watching the episode till the next week. Because it's not like they're leaving me with a real like, oh, where are they going to go from here? What does this mean in the bigger picture? It it really does feel kind of like just that something happened in an altered universe and next week we'll see a different universe. Yeah. yeah like, what if? <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's sort of the thing. They're kind of more, you know, snackable moments. Um, like, you know, you can just grab any random what if comic mm-hmm. from the many decades they've existed and be totally fine. Cause like, Oh, what if Spider-Man was part of the fantastic four? Right. Um, and they're useful for those, those one-offs. The only thing that I've seen through here actually happened, the first sort of wink or callback to a different what-if episode where one of the monsters that gets absorbed is the the tentacles and that big tentacle monster mm. that seems like the same one that uh, uh, Captain Carter fought. Yeah, yeah, that's the, the, and so far as I can tell that other than the Watcher, that's the only thing that's, that's similarly carried over from episode to episode. Everything else has just been self-contained little stories. Right. Right. Yeah. And I don't think I don't know. Maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe maybe we're maybe we've just become accustomed to Marvel storytelling where, you know, in both the movies and the television shows, it feels like things were sort of building. It's always about building universe, building, building characters on each other, introducing new characters, building more characters. This is the first time where it does feel very much like standalone episodic. And maybe that's not a bad thing. Maybe that's that's a nice break for as opposed to the looking for the bigger puzzle and, and constantly obsessing with, you know, well, what does it mean? And yet here we are talking about what it means. Yeah, interesting. By the way, we have a little bit of fact check before we dive into the watch list, and that is that while I was looking for this weapon, um, I discovered that Where No Man Has Gone Before was actually the third episode broadcast, not the first. Oh. Yeah, hmm. so we was wrong. It happens. We're not perfect, folks. Four- we try our best. It was, the f- <laughs> it was the fourth one made. And, uh, but it was, uh, yeah, it was actually the third, uh, third one to be broadcast. Yeah. Mantrap was, oh wait, so yeah, Mantrap was the first one. Charlie X was the second one and where no man has gone before September 2nd, September 22nd, 1966. Hmm. There you go. And I remember the first one I remember watching when I was a kid was the doomsday machine, Hmm. the giant ice cream cone that ate planet. (laughs) But I remember, is that season two? Hmm. Interesting. It is, yeah. You know. Um, but I mean I do remember watching it before, but that's the one I remember for sure. Watching. So let's dig into the watch list now. And I uh, think John, you're up first. Yeah, just uh, a quick one for me. The on my to do list I've been catching up on shows. I did a great big long watch of uh Clone Wars from beginning to end and then to Bad Batch and uh as I'm now working my way through catching up on a few other series I decided that it was time to catch up on the rest of this current season of The Flash the CW version and 
and I have got two episodes left, which I will probably watch in the next couple of days. And um, I, I can't decide if I would recommend it or not, but I am looking forward to seeing how it resolves. They've introduced some new characters. They brought some old characters back. It, it The season has felt really weird, and I'm sure it's to do with the pandemic and the shooting schedule. The fact that last season didn't really end so much as it just sort of stopped because the uh, pandemic forced all the closures of all the filming and everything else. So this season started with the what would have been the end of last season, and then it sort of segued kind of weirdly into, you know, a different a whole different story arc. And that story arc is now coming to a conclusion. It's it's a weird it feels like a very unconventional season of television, not to mention the fact that here in Canada, we're a little bit uh, messed over just because we are getting it two days later and only on Netflix. So it doesn't feel as much like a television weekly television program in the same way, I think, as I've gotten used to having watched it in previous years on on uh, television here. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to finishing this up. I do want to get into, I know we're in, well into uh, coming close to the end of the last season of Supergirl, and I'm definitely far behind on that. So I'm, I'm going to sort of work my way the next few weeks uh, as best I can on, on catching up on some of the CW shows. But I, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how this wraps up, and I'm curious to see where this whole series is going. Flash is now the standard bearer. Of course, Supergirl's ending. Arrow's already ended. So The Flash is sort of the longest-running uh, DC Comics-based TV show on right now. So it'll be interesting to see how that uh, continues and or starts to wrap itself up soon. And when is Supergirl is ending like soon? I think so. I just saw a teaser for another episode. I don't know how many more there are to go. I'll, I'll report back next week because by then I will have long since uh, started into probably the, the final hmm. season. Cool. All right. I mean, do you have something? I do. It's a, uh, a song by Hank Green entitled What Would Captain Picard Do? It's got a lot of um, TNG era goodness. And if you were wondering what Captain Picard would do, well, the chorus tells you he'd ensure the safety of his ship and his crew and then complete the mission and make himself a better person. Bring peace <laughs> to the galaxy and do it for free. So it's, it's worth a listen. I've got this on the, uh, on the rotation on uh, my Apple Music playlist. Not everybody has that, so I got the, uh, the YouTube version free for everybody to listen. Cool. All right. Well, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, hi, May. If people want to get in touch with you, where would they find you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. All right. And Jonathan, if people want to get in touch with you, you can always find me on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News. All right. My name is Dimitra, T I M M I T R A, on the Twitter machine is where I am bound to be. So, until next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at Spotcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotcast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash spotcast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, spotcast.com slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future.
Kelly. I was thinking when I when I said that I was thinking like yeah, uh, Bugs Bunny actually. Oh, but, you know, overture, curtain the lights. This is um, it. We'll hit the lights. I used, when I was a kid, I was, I was like overture, 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 overture. Hit the heights. Overture. I know it's over. I know it's overture. I said overture when I sung it. Yeah. And also, you know, Andy Rooney and and um, you know, so uh, Mickey. What's his name again? Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney and um, wasn't it Andy Rooney? Wasn't it the name of the character? No, Andy Rooney was the guy from um, Sixty Minutes. Andy Hardy is what I'm thinking of. You know the Andy Hardy movies with Judy Judy Garland as the girl. Mm-hmm. And then they would always put on a show. Let's put on a show. And now you're living it. I'm going to add two pictures into our Slack channel for you guys. Something I saw when we were traveling down east in a in a uh, display case full of statues. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, I saw this too. Like the 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 face palm thing. Yeah, they actually made side <laughs> by side. They're like you know made out of porcelain. Like these are these are statues yeah. of the yeah. two of them doing yeah. the face palms. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, Does Riker ever do the face palm in the show? Yes. Yes. Oh, I, okay. I must admit, I'm really curious. So the if you look at the photos I've taken, the Picard one costs one hundred and twenty dollars, and the uh-huh. Riker one costs one hundred and seventy dollars. Why is the Riker seventy one hundred seventy dollars? Why is it fifty dollars more? Is it the beard? What are they? What are they charging you extra for? For extra work right, because they right, have right. to paint more colors instead of just is it the hair? skin tone? They're adding hair in. You have to be charged by the hair. As somebody who doesn't have a lot of hair, and uh, you know, Jaime, you and I can get into this. I, I feel like a little threatened by this. Yeah, there's like more labor there to like follow the hairline and everything. Whereas with Picard, you're just painting like an egg. You know? It's just very smooth, easy strokes to cover all of that. Yeah. Oh, wow. I just thought it was hilarious that they felt like there was enough of a market where they're like, yeah, sure. Like $300 with a premium porcelain doll, a porcelain statue. Sure. Yeah, let's do that. Face palms. Sure. Mm. Yes, sir, Bob. Oh, open page. Alrighty. Well, I gotta run and do a whole bunch of stuff, so. Okay. Okay. We'll uh, see you guys later. You in the future. Talk to you later. Bye. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.